eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome into the Otson Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Frame, Eric Scopel, Jared Mack on the show. Welcome to a Wednesday edition of the Otson Audibles podcast. You can also watch this on YouTube. Uh, make sure to subscribe to both. Um, we are making our picks for the week, excluding the Oregon at Ohio State game. That game will be... That pick will be released on Friday uh, when we release our numbers for the game. But we have our first full week of college football, which means we have our first full week of predictions. And I have come in last place currently at eight and five overall, uh, five and five against the spread. Jared is nine and four overall, six and four against the spread. And then Eric is leading the standings right now. Got a good lead right now, 10 and three overall, but five and five against the spread. So give you an idea where we sit after the first week, see if I can make up some ground, see if uh, Eric can separate himself a little bit more from the pack. Um, We'll start off guys with the first game. That's not on the books. Uh, Portland State at Washington State. That's a 3 p.m. kickoff on the Pac-12 network. There's no betting line released on this one. Um, The Cougars suffered a bad home loss in the final seconds, week one, to Utah State. Uh, And Washington State will be looking to get their first win of the season. Many people were expecting to be 2-0. I think it's safe to say, you know, off-field distractions with Nick Rolovich aside, this is probably kind of like a dark horse team to maybe win six, seven, eight games this year, and they're in a tough spot already. Um, I think Washington State wins this one. Uh, I, I currently have Oregon or Washington State 42, Portland State 17. They kind of right the ship a little bit, but I still think they're going to look pretty bad considering who they're playing. What's the order here? Am I going next? Yeah, you go next. All right. Um, I think Washington State will win their first game. I had a pretty similar score. I'll say 35-17. I'm saying a little bit closer just because I went all in on Nick Rolovich and that being a, you know, kind of a prove-it game, and they kind of proved they suck um, over the weekend. That was a, that was a tough one to watch. It was a tough late evening there watching that and then also watching Cal – kind of piddle away a game against Nevada where mm-hmm. they had a lot of opportunities. We're going to have to get through all of that, but I think this game is significant. I was not impressed at all with Washington state, Thought that was an opportunity to kind of prove some stuff. They didn't Portland state was a little frisky last week with Hawaii. They lost by two scores 
Hawaii is a pretty decent Mountain West team. So I think it's a fairly competitive game, but Washington State still picks up win number one, 35-17. I have Washington State winning by 20, 34-14. Yeah, I watched the fourth quarter of that Washington State game. It just – it almost felt like their defense just kind of threw in the towel. They're like, ah, Utah State, they're not going to come back. We're fine here. No worries. And then, yeah, Utah State just came back. Their final drive was great. They just moved the ball down the field at ease. Uh, I really do think the Rolovich stuff has some effect on this team. And if they were to hypothetically lose another game, goodbye, Eric, it would be uh, – <laughs> <laughs> it would be uh, – I think it would really hurt the team. I think they would start to really lose focus and lose trust in, in their talent and ability. Welcome back, Eric. Welcome to the show. <laughs> The neighbor, decided, us. Yeah, the neighbor decided to start the lawnmower, which seems like a great time. So I, I, closed, I closed the window. I think that helped. But, uh, hey, people have to do the lawns. They're, yeah, they're right. Let's move on to the next lawns. game. Uh, California at TCU. This is a 12.30 p.m. Pacific time kick. A rare ESPNU appearance for a Pac-12 team. Don't see that very often, maybe a couple times a year. And I was pretty surprised by this line. And this kind of fits, Eric, what you were describing when you were watching them week one against Nevada. Um, TCU is favored by 10 and a half points. And I think California loses, but they cover in a game in which they play better, but not by much. And they lose 31 to 21 at TCU. Uh, to, to open the year 0-2 for rough sledding for Justin Wilcox. They're going to go 0-2. I think it's kind of ugly, though. Um, DCU beat Duquesne 45-3. I told you about some of the Cal Nevada stuff. It's a weird game, though, by the way. Those who watch Cal Nevada, they got up 14-0, and their first two drives made it look really easy. And I flipped over, I think, to watch the end of the UCLA-LSU game and was like, oh, Cal's kind of showing some stuff because I thought Nevada was pretty tough, and I thought that was going to be a tough game. Um, just completely fell apart from there. So I, something is missing there. I'm going 31-8 to eight in favor of TCU. I think it's pretty lopsided. I think Cal scores a touchdown late and goes for two. I think it's going to be like 24 nothing at that point. Interesting. That's, I have TCU winning 35-17. So not as big of a discrepancy, Eric, as yours, but uh, I like TCU. I think they're a sneaky good Big 12 team. I don't think they'll compete for the title, but I do think they'll be a ranked team for – most of the year and kind of give people a run for their money. Um, TCU has like four running, four or five running backs last week. They got at least five carries. Very strange. But I kind of like that, just giving Cal different looks. Although Cal's rush defense is pretty darn good. Um, that being said, I still love TCU. Uh, I thought I didn't watch the game with Cal. I did watch the highlights, so that sort of counts. And I'm just really not impressed with Cal's offense. I'm just not sure if they're going to be able to put up more than 24 points a night. And, and if they have a great night, I'm not sure they'll be able to put up 38 and type, win this type of game. Going on to the next one, another 12:30 kickoff for Pac-12 on Fox. This is Texas A&M, a top five Texas A&M team on the road at Colorado. And this feels like a game in which uh, – Colorado is going to lose. Texas A&M will win this football game in pretty impressive fashion, and they're going to pound their chest like Texas A&M typically does, and yet they really didn't accomplish anything. They beat up on a really bad Pac-12 team. 
Uh, and so I, I, I have Texas A&M winning this one 45, 27, uh, Colorado is a 17 point underdog in this one. I don't think it's going to be close props to Colorado for playing a home game against a big program like this, but these are two different programs and completely different stratospheres right now. Texas is definitely better. Um, I don't think Colorado sucks. I think they're decent. Maybe but still probably like the eighth or ninth best team in the conference. So that's, that's not great. Like I, what do we do with the 2020 season with them where they were like almost winning the championship and they had the offensive player of the year. I mean, I assume we just kind of go, that was a weird year and we don't really think it holds much water. Um, I think this game's going to be a little more competitive than Matt does um, in part because it's the whole SEC actually traveling West thing. I know it's not quite the same trip as LSU to Los Angeles, um, you know, Texas to Colorado is probably a quicker flight. I know it is. So I, I think it's not as big a factor, but I do think there is something to it. So I think it's going to be a little more close. I think in the first half, it's probably pretty competitive. Texas a opens it up, and I'm saying they win, but don't cover final score 41-30. Matt, I'm going with you. I don't think this is going to be close. I got 42-21 A&M. Um, I think we're going to just forget about what Colorado did last year. They didn't – I mean, they played Northern Colorado in their first game. Then they looked fine. There wasn't anything impressive, but A&M is a damn good team. They're a top-five team in the country for a reason. I do think they're going to head up there to Colorado and steamroll them, especially in the it's, – it's a middle-of-the-day game. The only time I might give Colorado a little bit of an edge is if it was a nighttime game folder. Then all, you know, all things reconsider. But I'm going A&M plus 21. Next game on the docket here, Washington at Michigan. And this had the makings of a potential game day type situation. Uh, but let's be real, Washington just shit the bed. And they lost at home probably the worst loss in program history. It is the worst loss in program history for, for the Huskies. 13-7 uh, to Montana. They scored a touchdown on their first drive of the game and and then they proceeded to do nothing the rest of the way. Uh, Washington's receiving core is extremely beat up. They had like their three starting, their three top guys were already out going into this game. And then their best available receiver got hurt on like the second play of the game. And he will be out for a majority of the season. So even if they get one or two of those receivers back, they're going to have problems. And and that says something when we're talking about Michigan being in a really good spot because Michigan has not been this powerhouse team that they've been traditionally known to be the last 30, 40, 50 years of college football. And yet I have zero confidence in Michigan winning this one or in, in Washington winning this football game. Um, Huskies six and a half point underdogs. I have Washington losing 31 to 17. The neighbor decided lawnmower wasn't enough. He's going with the leaf blower now. So even we can't more, hear a thing. So you're good. Yeah, yeah. we're good. good. Awesome. Well, that's great because I can barely hear myself think. Um, <laughs> I, I'm uh, I I had pre prepared actually to go really really zag here. I'm gonna rein myself back in. The more I think about it, I just don't think Washington's talented enough this year. It's a tough game on the road. I also was going to think of something cool to say to lead off of it, but lost it because of the lawnmower guy. So um, <laughs> blame, blame him for me picking Michigan to win because I was kind of leaning just for the absurdity to go um, Washington. I, I think this game will be close. I'm going to go uh, Michigan 34-30. Um, they don't cover the spread. I think it's 
I think it's a darn competitive game. I think Washington probably has some chances to win late. Washington's not going to be as bad as they were in that game all season, I don't think. And this game for Jimmy Lake has to mean a lot. And I know last week I bit, I got bit by the whole, hey, the coach is motivated thing because of Nick Rolovich, and that didn't play out. So maybe I'll go 0 for 2 from a Washington, you know, coaches in, in the Pac-12 from the state of Washington feeling like they need to win games perspective. Um, that's probably what will happen, but I, well, I'll go 34-30. Michigan wins. Washington starts 0-2, but they make it close and competitive. And then the worst thing happens, Matt. We talked about this on our Slack channel. Washington's actually pretty competitive this year in Pac-12 play. Wins like five or six conference games. And now you've got a team that lost to Montana week one that actually beat some good teams in conference, which is really good for nobody. But yeah. um, that's sort of how I think that plays out long-term, too. I have Michigan, 31-18. Um, Michigan, I thought was pretty good last week against Western Michigan, although, you know, not a great team in the, their own right. What surprised me the most is how much of a ground and pound football team they were last week. They threw the ball just 17 times. Jeez. They completed, you know, 13 of their 17 passes. So pretty efficient. However, you know, only 210 yards in the air. But uh, I think, I don't think Washington's run defense is going to be that good this year. I think they'll be fine. But a team like Michigan with a big Big Ten offensive front, um, I think they'll be able to handle their way. And they may not be able to score a ton of points. They scored 47 last week, but I don't think they'll come close to that this week. But I think they'll be able to just run out the clock enough. And Washington scored on their very first drive of the game last week. Didn't score for the rest of the game. They don't have, like Matt said in his intro, they don't have anybody really to, to catch the ball other than Kate Otten. And if they double Cade, there's not a lot of options there. Uh, their, their offensive line struggled a lot against Montana, which was very surprising. I thought they had a good group going into the year. But I, I think Michigan should have – I think Michigan should have an easier time than Montana winning. This game, like, people are already up in if, – if you read the tea leaves of what Washington's fans are saying, they, some of them already want Jimmy Lake gone after the Montana debacle. And if they can't keep this game competitive against Michigan, it's that, that charge is going to grow louder and louder. And the early returns and, and is from an Oregon perspective, they want Jimmy Lake as the head coach. And, you know, from a fan perspective, you, you read, you know, what the fans think and they're thinking that it's kind of like a clay Helton 2.0 type situation. And this game could ultimately decide, unfortunately, for Jimmy Lake, his future at Oregon, like I mean, at, at Washington. I don't think he gets fired week two, but they're not competitive in this game. It could turn into a deal where it's a dead man walking type situation where everyone knows he's not going to be the head coach moving forward. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this Husky team responds up at Michigan. Uh, next game on the docket is a night game, 7 p.m. Pac-12 Network, San Diego State at Arizona. The Wildcats are a one-point favorite in this one. That kind of surprised me. I was figuring uh, San Diego State would be the road favorite, but uh, you, you, the typical idea in betting is that you know home team is a three-point favorite just on the home standings alone, so – San Diego State is probably in a neutral site, a two-point favorite in this football game. Um, I'm going San Diego State. I don't think Arizona 
wins this one. They, they drop to 0-2. They do keep it very competitive throughout the entire game, though. San Diego State 31, Arizona 27. I didn't do this in the preseason, um, in, the pre- in, the, in the preseason picks, but I'm going to go Arizona here. Um, they were down 21-3 to BYU in the middle of the third quarter. They scored a couple late field goals, a safety and a touchdown. It's a weird combination of points to make it a one-score game in like the final minute. So, the, you know, it, it was a game that was never totally in doubt, but the, BYU also didn't just put them away. Um, kind of impressed with that from Arizona. As an Arizona team, like we talked about last week, really no star power. From a personnel perspective, worst in the conference, just not a lot of talent. Jed Fish inherits a lot of bad stuff. I think they're going to pull it through, um, in part because San Diego State's not awesome either. Um, I think they beat New Mexico State, who was not supposed to be a very good team, 28-10, week one. Um, they won, but not impressive. So I think San Diego State, not totally sure they're more talented than Arizona. I will go Wildcats 21-14. I will join you, Eric, on the Wildcat bandwagon. I have Arizona 24-18. Uh, I, yeah, I was actually kind of impressed with Arizona against BYU last week. I thought they were going to get shellacked. Like, I didn't think they were going to score more Same. than two <laughs> offensive touchdowns. I thought they would just, you know, field goal it up. But, you know, they made, their, they made a good comeback. They covered the spread. You know, they only lost by eight. Uh, I think BYU is a, a talented team. I thought they would physically outman Arizona like nobody's business. But they held it together. Uh, I don't think... San Diego State is that good. I don't think either of these teams are that good. This is going to be an interesting one to watch if you do decide to watch it. And with that, I have Arizona winning. Interesting. You both pick the Wildcats to win that one. I was not expecting that. Can we can we peer pressure you into doing Ooh, uh, no. an Arizona you cannot, pick? You cannot like peer pressure me into this one. By the way, it, it paid off last week. Oh, the peer pressure time. paid off. <laughs> I don't know. It did. It did. But you're not going to get me on this one. Uh, I might regret it, uh, but you're not going to get me on this one. All right. I, I don't I don't see it as, as well as that one. Uh, Utah, the next game on the docket, Utah at BYU in-state rivalry game here. 7-15 kick on ESPN. The Utes are a seven-point favorite on the road. That kind of surprised me, and yet – I'm still taking Utah to cover. I, I think they are by far the better program. They've got the better depth. Uh, their offense and defensive lines are significantly better than BYU's in my eyes. Uh, BYU kind of kicked things into gear week one uh, on a Thursday afternoon against Weber State in that second half, and they should be better overall going into this one. Um, give me Utah 37, BYU 28. Yeah, I also have the Utes covering. Um, neither team with an awesome debut, I guess. I mean, I think, you know, we look at the conference this last week, the Pac-12, we haven't really talked about it, but the Pac-12 North completely crapped the bed. The Pac-12 South did pretty well. Obviously, UCLA with the big win. Utah won 40-17 over Weber State, but I remember there was a point there, Matt, where you were messaging us on Slack of like, we should probably flip over to this Utah game. <laughs> what were they up, like 12 points in the fourth quarter? I don't um, think, it was, I think it was even closer than that. Yeah, it was close. So um, I'm not sold that they're awesome. BYU, same kind of thing with Arizona. I think both Utah and BYU played kind of down to their competition last week. So um, I don't think we learned one way or the other if one team's awesome or there's not. I will go with Utah 34-20. 
I thought going into the season they would win this game. I still think that I haven't seen anything that leads me to believe otherwise. Um, I think BYU might take a, a somewhat of a step back this year. Um, maybe this is knee jerk, but the Zach Wilson era is gone, and I don't know if they're going to be quite as competitive or quite as fun now that, that that's the case. The Holy War, one yeah. of my favorite regular season games. I have Utah winning this one 34-21. Eric, we're close on scores once again. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, Utah, like you guys were saying, didn't play that great last week against Weaver State. Came off to a slow start, turned around in the second half. Uh, I still think that's a really talented team. I still think Charlie Brewer was a, kind of a missing piece of a quarterback that they needed. Some, one that can actually throw the ball would be great. Um, I think I think this would be a close one, too. I know my score doesn't really indicate it, but I think just a second half or like a fourth quarter go-ahead touchdown by Utah is going to seal their fate and, and ultimately secure a win. Um, it is a little interesting how the heavily favored they are going to BYU. I thought that was, was some interesting to note, but I still think that they get the job done. I think Charlie Brewer kind of puts his name into, hey, look at this guy leading on offense. Next game on the docket is UNLV at Arizona State, a 7.30 p.m. kick on ESPN2. The Sun Devils, this is the biggest spread in, in the conference today for this week and it's pretty high 32 and a half in favor of Arizona state. Look, Eastern Washington beat UNLV week one. Uh, UNLV has already made a, a change at quarterback week two. Um, Marcus Arroyo, former Oregon offensive coordinator is their head coach. This game is not going to be competitive. I have Arizona state covering. Uh, I think UNLV is not going to be able to, stop that rushing attack by ASU. They've got like three running backs that are all really legit. Um, and D- Jaden Daniels can run the football if needed as well. So I, I'm all in on the Sun Devils and this one covering a 32 and a half point spread. Uh, it's not going to be pretty. Arizona State 59, UNLV 20. I'm even more negative towards the Marcus Arroyo-led Rebel offense. I have them scoring no touchdowns. Oof. I have them getting two, two field goals. I think the talent disparity here is pretty significant. I know Arizona State is kind of we, – we, I don't know what we make of them because I actually yeah. think they're really talented. I think they've got a good coaching staff, but there's so much weirdness going on with them that I think we kind of all put them a level below like USC, UCLA, and Utah. Um, I think they're going to prove this season that they're right in the mix, and I think this is going to be a really dominant win. Um, I like the Sun Devils to win 48 to six and it's a game where it's just an ass kicking from the kickoff. I think Arizona state's going to take um, complete control. And, and this is a game where you go into the second half and it's a lot of backups and reserves for the Sun Devils. I just don't think UNLV is very competitive. And frankly, I hate to say it for coach Arroyo. I don't know how much longer he's going to last down there. Um, it's a tough job. Um, and, and really, I think it's proven the last decade or so, really hard to get traction down there. He doesn't seem to have any – I don't think he's won a football game yet, and he's not going to win this one. What was this spread, 32-and-a-half? Yeah. I do not have ASU covering. Ooh. Oh. I have ASU winning, don't get me wrong, 52-21. to 21. <laughs> So it's not close at all, but I do think UNLV is going to put up a few garbage time touchdowns and ruin the spread, so – that's basically all I got for this game. UNLV is <laughs> atrocious. ASU is very talented and can put numbers up, especially against bad teams. 
Uh, I'm interested to see if they can do anything like that against a good team. Yeah. But UNLV will not be one of those weeks. That's <laughs> huge win. Probably the game of the week in the Pac-12 outside of the big two non-conference games, Oregon at Ohio State, Washington at Michigan, um, is the first conference game of the year. Stanford on the road at USC, a 7.30 kick on Fox. It's been a while since we've seen like a 7.30 kick on just straight up Fox. Don't see that very often. It's a good point. Uh, game is in favor of USC as a 17 and a half point favorite. I don't think I would have expected that a week ago. And then seeing as how bad Stanford played week one in Texas against Kansas state um, kind of makes a little bit of sense and seeing how that game played out a little bit and how this line has been created. Um, I do think Stanford plays better week two than they did week one against Kansas state. Unfortunately for them, they're playing probably, uh, or not probably for sure, a way more talented team than Kansas state. And that's the USC Trojans. But I will say this USC did not look 100% dominant against San Jose state week one of the season. And so I, I think Stanford covers. They lose by two scores, though. USC 31, Stanford 17. We're in kind of lockstep here, Matt, actually. I think maybe that surprises some listeners who are thinking we'd go USC. But, um, I mean, I have USC winning as well. Similar logic. I, I also think, like, these games are pretty competitive usually. USC, yeah. Stanford, this for some for whatever reason, they schedule each other early on a lot. Like, this is definitely not the first time in the last decade that – Stanford and USC have like played in September and it's been one of the first conference games of the season. Um, I don't think Stanford's just going to completely melt in this one. They understand this means a lot. And like you, I didn't think USC was like, I mean, UCLA, we can just say it. I mean, we haven't done a recap of the weekend. UCLA was by far the most impressive Pac-12 team, I thought. And I don't think it was really close. They're on their own level in terms of just, I'm not saying they're the best team by a clear standard or like uh, um, they're on, on their own kind of level, but they were by far the best performance of last weekend and USC had some moments, but still I don't think was the best of the best. And I think that they're going to take some time maybe. And again, I still have concerns about their offensive line and some of their defensive stuff. So I don't know if Stanford is going to be good enough to exploit all of that, but it's enough. And I think USC wins, they win by 11 points. It's 34, 23. Um, And Stanford starts the season 0 two. And you look at the way the rest of their schedule plays out, getting to a bowl game is going to be very, very hard for David Shaw this year. I know we're two weeks in and it seems quick to premature to say that. Just go pull up their schedule, those listening, and tell me where six more wins come from. And it's, I think it's tough. I think it's really tough. There's a couple of games that they would just have to honestly beat better teams or their team has to improve drastically for me seeing them get to six wins. IVSC winning as well, 31-18. Don't expect them to cover the spread. Ooh. I think Stanford. I think Stanford keeps it close during the first half of the game. Uh, I really do think that their offensive line and their slow play style will get a hold of USC at one point. Uh, I don't expect them to take the lead or anything like that, but I expect it to be just a close knit game throughout, and then just a couple touchdowns at the end for USC really puts them away because they're just much more talented than Stanford is. Uh, Stanford looked lost 
on offense last week. Surprisingly, they didn't run as much as they threw. Um, but I think this week turns around. I don't have a lot of confidence in USC's defensive front other than Drake Jackson. Uh, I think they, I think Stanford has the size to push him around, but yeah, USC is going to end up winning this game. Next game on the docket is the last game of the night in the Pac-12. That is Hawaii at Oregon State, an 8 p.m. kickoff on Fox Sports 1. Uh, I want to watch this, guys, but I'll be honest. It's going to be 11, 11 p.m. where we are Saturday night when this kicks off, and we've got a morning flight to get out of Columbus back to Eugene. Not sure how long I'll be able to stay awake to watch this one. Um, Hawaii always has the run-and-shoot offense. They always can be fun to watch, uh, their offense at least. Um, defense for them is is kind of suspect. Some years they've got a decent one. Other years they're just straight-up awful on defense, and they need to win games in the 50s uh, if they're going to win. Oregon State, I look, I picked them to win straight up at Purdue. They did not do that. They didn't even cover. Um, this is going to be one of those games where I think Oregon State kind of rectifies things a little bit in their favor. They get on the winning side for the first time of the year and they walk out of this. Uh, they go into this game as an 11 point favorite and they walk out in my eyes covering 38-24. Very similar scores. I have one fewer touchdown for Oregon State. I have 31-24, so I have no cover. Um, I didn't think Oregon State looked terrible in that game with Purdue. I watched quite a bit of it. Um, they were clearly not the better team, but I also didn't come away thinking their season's totally hopeless. I think there's some stuff to build around. I think um, defensively they were pretty scrappy at times, actually, which was encouraging because that's been a huge weakness. I know that the stats are probably not super in their favor from that regard, but there were some sequences where I was like, okay, they're battling, they're trying, they're putting in effort. Um, Hawaii, like you, Matt, I, I kind of don't know exactly what to make of them. They played a couple of teams. Um Already they played UCLA, got smashed pretty good in that game. Um, I believe they played Portland State. Yeah, they beat Portland State this past week by two scores. Um, not like overly impressed with this Hawaii team, but at the same time, I think it's going to be a pretty competitive game. Uh, I'll make it a one-score game. Oregon State wins 31-24. I have another one-score game. I have Oregon State winning 34-30, to not covering the spread. Um, I kind of I kind of worry about Oregon State's pass defense in this game. Why is that run and gun offense? Uh, I think they have, Oregon State allowed over 300 yards passing last week against Purdue, which is not something I anticipated. I kind of thought that Purdue was going to, you know, run run on them, but their pass, their excuse me, their rush defense was good. Pass defense not so much. And Hawaii, I know that they looked miserable against UCLA in Week Zero, but I kind of want to chalk that up to it being Week Zero, and. You know, this is two weeks later now. I think they'll have a better understanding of what their strengths and weaknesses are on offense. Um, I think Oregon State, if they put Chance Nolan in and give him the keys to the car at the very beginning of the game, which they should do this week, uh, I have. I do think that Oregon State will be able to score enough to pull this one out and give them their first win of the season. Aside from the Oregon game, is what game catches your eye the most that you want to watch? Like part of me says Washington, Michigan, but that's only because like, I'll be frank here and 
speak for probably what a lot of Duck fans are thinking. Washington talked a lot of trash all year in the offseason about how they were going to win the Pac-12 North and they were the true champions in 2020 and they're going to get back to the playoffs and everyone kind of doubted them and they just kept talking about it. And their season's basically over after one week. And so it's like, do you want to keep watching the train wreck or is there another game out there that really just catches your eye? To me, like part of me is Washington, Michigan to see a train wreck again. But outside of that, I'm not really sure. Like USC Stanford 10 years ago felt like must see TV where you had to sit down and watch it. But even that right now doesn't really make me just say, Hey, I have to sit down for three hours and, for four hours and watch this game play out. Is it bad that you asked that and immediately thought of Iowa, Iowa State? Because I thought it was just like an open-ended question. And I wasn't even thinking back. Well, <laughs> that's, that's a good game. I'm really excited to watch Iowa, Iowa State. I don't know if we're going to be able to watch some of that because the time deal. Um, actually, I don't know what time it kicks off, so maybe we will. But um, that game is going to be fun <laughs> from a Pac-12 perspective. Um, yeah, there's not a ton that moves the needle. I guess Stanford USC is a game I just always like to watch. I know Matt, like Matt said, the Lusters maybe kind of gone there um, a little bit, but um, yeah, I mean, this is not the best week for Pac-12 slate. I don't think um, UCLA is on bye week. We think they're the best team, so that's or one of the better teams. I don't know, actually. I just slipped up there. I picked them preseason. Do we? Where, where are you guys at with the with the Pac-12 South after? I know it's one week, but did or either of you moved enough to join me in my Chip Kelly oh. UCLA? I mean, seeing week two, seeing how they've played two games and what they've done in those two games, I don't know how you can't say right now they're not the best team in the Pac-12 South. I mean, you could argue they're the best team in the conference right now. Based on the first two weeks, yeah, or the first two you games. Could. I don't know. Jared, what, what do you I think? think? Is there, what do, you, do you have an opinion on who stands out right now from the Pac-12 South besides them? Uh, besides them, no. I don't think anybody stands out. I think UCLA is head and shoulders above the rest in the South and probably the whole Pac-12 because, you know, Oregon was supposed to be the team and they didn't look so hot against, against Fresno State. And then Washington was supposed to give them a chance or give them a run for their money in the Pac-12 North and then lose to Montana. Um, it's UCLA or bust. Uh, in terms of what games I'm kind of excited to watch, uh, obviously I want to watch UW Michigan. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a bit of a Michigan man, so go blue. Um, A&M in Colorado, I'd like to watch at least the first quarter, see how that's going. And uh, Stanford and USC, I'd like to watch at least the first half before USC starts to win. Uh, and if I'm really looking for a shootout, I'll go UNLV and ASU just to watch some explosions, especially after Stanford and USC. Week two this season, just Eric, brought my attention to what's going on around the conference outside of – or what's going on in college football outside of the conference. And like week two used to be kind of a huge weekend as well as week one, where you would get multiple games against top 10 teams, like, or top 25 matchups. Like it it would be like five or six games. Week two would have top 25 matchups. And this year, you know, just quickly scanning through the, the list here, there's only two. And it's Oregon at Ohio State, and then it's Iowa State and Iowa. And I don't know nationally. I mean, Eric, you obviously we're we're knee deep in football. So I, I get where your your interest in Iowa, Iowa State comes in, but 
is that really going to move the needle nationally though? Like, I don't know if it will. Probably not. I mean, I think diehard, the diehard football fans are into it. Um, those are, I think those are two pretty good teams, actually. I mean, I, I was listening to a couple of people talk about this game and be like, this might be the best game the state of Iowa's ever had, yeah. say, you know, from, between those two teams, um, because they're both pretty good this year. Um, so, and I'm, I'm, and partly there's also the Oregon connection with Iowa State, where I'm kind of just curious to track how, um, how they play, how the Cyclones play, because Oregon did not play very well in that game in the Fiesta Bowl. And I think it would be, Probably a little disappointed if you're an Oregon fan of Iowa State just isn't good this year. I mean, early indications are that they will yeah. be very solid. Um, this weekend is that first big test. So, like, it's this weird thing where, for me almost, it's this weird thing where Iowa State's kind of a team I'm tracking just to kind of see how they stand out and how they turn out because of a, a game with Oregon in January. Um, but to your point, yeah, I mean, like, Iowa State is not a sexy matchup. And another point, to your other point as well, I feel like we had maybe more week one opening games yeah. that were fun. And exciting and now a little bit fewer on the second week so i don't know it's weird I, you, you're right though because that was definitely the way it had felt growing up and even recently of like oh week two is the one where you know you have your week one matchups and cupcakes and then week two some of the big teams collide and we didn't get that this year it's gonna be interesting it's gonna be a good week of college football I mean, even though there's not marquee matchups there's certainly a bunch of storylines amongst the pac-12 schools to watch um, and, and see things play out. We'll, we'll be discussing that throughout the weekend and into the weekend on, on duckterritory.com. So make sure to check out the site for our coverage leading up to Oregon at Ohio State. All three of us will be there. Our game picks will be released on Friday uh, on the site as well as on the podcast. We'll go into a little bit more detail on the podcast, but we'll also have our picks uh, on the site as well on duckterritory.com. So stick with us throughout the week as we get ready to cover Oregon at Ohio State on Saturday. You've been listening to the Austin Audible's podcast. Talk to you later, folks. Peace. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.